defend it? My brother, happy Wednesday. <laughs> happy Wednesday to you. Uh, happy Wealth, Wine and Wisdom, episode 40. 40, 40. Um, can you believe it? Can you believe it? There you go. Well, mate, uh, welcome along. Good to see you in. Let me in, says David Mitchell. Uh, he was pretty keen. How are you, David? Good to see you, mate. We, uh, we, were, building... Rank, <laughs> we were building the suspense. David was pretty keen. Uh, great to have you on, David. And uh, for those uh, from the others who are on with us now, give us a shout-out where you're dialing in from. Uh, great to uh, have uh, all of you in today. Uh, episode 40, Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. I'll do the quick intros, uh, as we always do. Andy Fenton on my my left on the screen uh, on my right as I look at you, Andy. Andy Fenton from the world. Uh, Bob, how are you, mate? Um, from the world of high flying finance and banking for twenty years, and in the share market and financial planning world. Uh, me, Jason Whitten, um, twenty years in property, property investing, real estate, and finance. Allison, always. Always, always awesome to have you on with us. And um, there's Margaret. She's dialing in from Bundaberg, up my end of uh, where I grew up. Well, halfway anyway. <laughs> Wollongong. Wollongong for Bob. Great to see you, Bob. Um, so, yeah, Andy and I, we get together. It used to be on Fridays, but now it's on Wednesdays for Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. And uh, we try and do a debrief on what's happening in our world, in the world of finance and real estate in the world of the share market and the stock market and banking. Um, so, um, um, you know, at the end of the day, see if we can't uh, add some wisdom, uh, a little bit of wine, one glass of wine on a Wednesday in the afternoon, uh, not too much. And uh, Andy's on the water today. It's a special wine, but um, there you go. So welcome along, gang, uh, as we always do. We uh, we are going to talk about a few things, but uh, just to just to let everyone know what our general gist is uh, for wealth, wine, and wisdom. We're going to do a segment called "What's in the News." I've got some things to share about what's in the news um, as we go, which is pretty interesting from a real estate point of view. Andy's got a couple of things what he wants to share. What's in the news? What we should pay attention to? What we should. Uh, not, uh, and then we want to talk about stuff you should know uh, when it comes to the world of investing from our 20 years combined, 20 years experience each added up to 40. We've done a few things uh, along the way. And then if anybody listening in right now, we had uh, the wonderful Alison jump on with us last week. If anyone listening in wants to become come in either in a live sense or just a question type it in the chat we'll answer some questions at the end um and that will be the drill so um uh, i thought we'd let everyone know what what's going on there but andy for some reason you're freezing again this week uh, i think you need to pedal faster and harder down there with your internet um but uh you know uh, i think the audio is working uh how's uh, how how are you how are you traveling down there what's going on well mate it's not quite winter yet so it shouldn't be freezing down here but uh but mate, i'll, I'll Give my best serve to uh, good old Telstra and Optus, but uh, it seems that we've got reasonably good up and down here today, so uh, maybe we're having some other issues. But hopefully the audio is coming through. You'll just see 
uh, stage pictures of me freezing every now and again. So uh, hopefully that won't be too distracting. <laughs> but uh, but it's, been a, it's been an interesting week down here as it always has been. It's good coming on a Wednesday because you're smacking in the middle of uh, – I have some very, very interesting things happening both globally and domestically and uh, uh, and it's uh, it's a good way of making sure it's one glass instead of 15 glasses. So I'm, I'm happy to be here tonight. Yeah, one, one glass is better for our health. We we did uh, <laughs> we did for, for the whole of last year, most of last year, do uh, Wealth, Wine and Wisdom on a Friday and Fridays are a little bit exciting because end of the weekend we would uh, often have maybe one or two glasses uh, too many of wine and the theme uh, did become uh, more wine than wisdom uh, on a Friday, which uh, we enjoyed. But we thought this year would we'd get it back on track and do it in the middle of the week, maybe a cheeky little, <laughs> cheeky little glass of wine and some wisdom. But Andy, tell me what's in the news? Uh, what's in the news over in your neck of the woods? The world of the share market uh, portfolios and. Uh, all things uh, mad in that sort of space. Uh, what's going on for you, mate? What's uh, what's happening? Well, mate, uh, as usual, I think that this uh, the theme would be what's the real news uh, as opposed to what's in the news because it, it tends to be that we, we tend to contradict it. But, uh, there's been a lot of talk in and around markets because all of a sudden the big run over in the US uh, supposedly came to an end. So what I thought is I'd, I'd capture both the, the, the US equities market, uh, the Australian equities market, give people some perspective on the volatility that we're seeing at the moment uh, with an overarching theme that I'm going to reveal at the end uh, as we go into what you should know. But, you know, as you and I talk about almost ad nauseum and we're always proved right is that, you know, the the, the mar- newspapers, uh, not that you buy too many newspapers these days, but they sell off headlines. So I picked no, two. No, Andy. No, I thought they were. I thought they were accurate reporters of information that that's vital to our society. <laughs> you, you, look, allegedly, 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 <laughs> allegedly uh, they they get it wrong constantly. But it's it's here to it's here to shed uh, shed fear. It's uh, never to to shed positivity. But uh, it's sensationalist and it doesn't help investors. So really what we're helping you guys do is see, see through uh, the best, see through the clickbait, uh, see through uh, the sensational headlines so that you can make good investment decisions and not yeah. uh, not get scared by all of the noise. And look, there's, this is a great theme uh, of what is a trader, what's an investor, and this is the classic example. So I picked two, two headlines. You could have picked... Of about 20 that were really similar. I just love these because they were less than 15 hours apart uh, and from uh, both credible sources. Uh, we've got the first one, which is stock market meltdown, NASDAQ p- uh, picks from hero to zero. That was a pretty, pretty aggressive kind of a headline uh, because markets over in the US have been extraordinarily good. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, another 12 hours later, uh, it's a three-minute read from good old Yahoo Finance. Is the stock market news live update? Stock market stock market futures rally edge further after tech led the way, or something like that. I'm dyslexic, so I, I mixed it up there. So <laughs> I just want to take everyone through why why there's a bit of volatility in the market at the moment. It's not the only read, but it's a really really big headline, uh, and we're seeing a lot of it. So this can be really well placed. Uh, for property, uh, really well placed in Australian uh, domestic markets, international markets, 
but some of the key reasons why we've seen this type of volatility, I'm going to bring up some more technical kind of charts here uh, that you're going to see. You don't need to see the detail. You just need to see the raw, raw gist of it, and I'll talk you through it. But so, so green markets, is good and red is not good. Andy, what are, what are we seeing here? Tell, talk, talk us layman's through this uh, this these charts. Right. I know it looks daunting, but I'm going to make it super simple. Is that we know that we're in the lowest period of what, Jace? Lowest period of interest rates? That we've ever seen. That yes. we've ever seen. Uh, yeah. And probably our parents have seen and our parents' parents have seen. I think at One Wine and Wisdom, we actually figured out that it was something like a, a thousand and five years or something like that since we'd seen this life. Not quite sure whether that data was accurate, but uh, I'm just positive you were reporting. <laughs> But uh, what, what I've got here is I've got the 10-year uh, treasury uh, yield. So this is a future look at what treasury yields are going to look like 10 years from so now. Are you talking treasury right. bond, a bond yield? That's that treasury bond, right? That's right. So yep. the US uh, is lending money uh, at 0.0%, uh, and then they're going to lend their 10-year bonds now. If we have a look at the, uh, the charts on the top left, that's edging up to your 1.5%. So that's a pretty dramatic increase, the difference between short-term bond yields, which is basically zero, and long-term 10-year government bond yields, which are now edging up to four, five hundred percent on what they were, right, of what they were, which was extraordinarily low. So cutting it down very, very simply is that if the expectation is in the long term that interest rates will be higher, that is really bad for growth stocks and growth stories. So yeah. what that means, and, and Julie Fletcher is just, uh, reaching out saying, Wine Wisdom on Wednesday, Wednesdays now. Yes, Julie, it is Wednesdays now, so <laughs> hopefully you're enjoying it. Jump on, um, <laughs> ju- Jump on, uh, enjoy the journey. Hopefully uh, we- there's some good info. But, but anyway, long-term bond yields. Uh, so basically what's happened in the last few weeks, uh, there's been a fairly aggressive trend in the bond yield uh, that's that's spiked, right? And effectively what that means is that if you're betting on long-term growth stories, the reason why long-term growth makes a lot of sense is that if you can borrow at 0%, then you can take that and you can multiply that into amazing type of returns, right? Because you're borrowing nothing, you're making 20 or 40 or 50 or 100% growth, like the Teslas, the Apples, the so on and so forth of the world. But when markets have rallied quite a lot, they become very, very sensitive to any talk of interest rates. Uh, now, this is where we've got to be careful. Are we, are we talking about themes, long-term themes that we're going to be investing in, or are we trading on rhetoric that is coming from the news? So let me break this down a little bit further so it makes a little bit more sense. The, the graph on the left here is, is the 10-year Treasury yields, right? And that's on a one-month basis. So you can see it's gone from basically 1.05 to 1.4%. So that's pretty aggressive increase in a month uh, in a month time. The graph on the right-hand side is actually the US tech stocks, right? Now, the reason why everyone's freaking out about the, the tech stocks is because, well, effectively, they've, they've responded very poorly to this expectation of interest rates being higher in 10 years' time, well, right? So this, this wait, is... Wait. Why do they respond poorly? What, what's the reasoning? Is there any reason or is it just emotional markets just being weird and un- <laughs> just emotional? 
Well, look, one would say that it might be weird, but the, the write-down and the reason why the headline that the tech stocks uh, basically he, uh, hero to zero, on the uh, on the right-hand side, you can see that, that that dip was a fairly aggressive dip, but we're only talking sort of 5% or, or, or a little bit more, maybe even 10%, right? Uh, I haven't done the math on it. But this chart here, which I've overlaid now, this is the futures. Now, I'm just going to talk about, uh, you know, expectation trading. So this is the futures market. Now, when you have a look, right, at, at the, uh, the trend of the, uh, the one-month um, uh, one uh, tech stocks, which is in the red down there, and you overlay it with the futures market, which is the 10-year treasury, so this is live traded, so this is like minute traded stuff, you can see that there's a pretty bloody strong correlation and, and basically inverse, which means as the bond yields have shot up, you can see just above there on the 1st of March, you can see that uh, the, the yields have come down quite substantially. So effectively what we've seen is we've seen a massive reaction to uh, trading long-term bond yields. And this is where it really comes into the question as to whether you're actually trading uh, in US equities or trading in investments or whether you're looking at long-term themes. Because if we go back a slide or if we go back a few slides, we can see that over the last you know, six, six months on the bottom right of our screen, the, the US market has been reasonably good and there's been a lot of good and encouraging signs out of the US, out of Australia, out of de developing markets. Uh, and there's signs of GDP growing quite substantially. Now, I'm not saying that it's the right time to buy. What I'm asking is the question of, do you want to get involved as an investor in, in these sensationalist headlines, which are basically saying, well, in 10 years' time, bond yields are going up, therefore the story behind the tech stocks has been destroyed? Or do you believe that over the next 10 years, companies like Apple and companies like Google are going to be potentially substantially higher than where they are? And my argument would be that you would imagine that good tech stocks over that period of time, regardless of what interest rates are going to do, are going to be substantially higher than where they sit today. There's going to be some volatility along the way, but what we're seeing is significant amounts of trading that is happening as a reaction to interest rates. And I'll go into a little bit more and what you should know about this in order to be able to make better decisions as an investor. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it just reminds me, you know, you're saying it, and I and I see it in in the world of real estate too. That you know, uh, poor plans and poor st strategy uh, around your investing, uh, people make poor short-term decisions, which ultimately cost them, you know, lots of money in and out of transactions, emotional money, mental capacity, and and the physical asset itself. So you know. At the end of the day, um, you know, I, and you've probably seen this many times as well, you know, there's many, you know, simple buy and hold funds that outperform 99% of traders in every corner of the world, whether it be property, whether it be shares, whether it be anything, you know, um, where it's like buy it and keep it, <laughs> buy good things and keep them for a long time, you know, fancy that, outperforms. <laughs> And here's the thing is that I've seen this now four times in, yes. in my investment career. I've seen this where as you see this proliferation uh, of online traders 
And for those of you, some of you of, of, of the people who I know who are doing it right now are friends, so don't hate me for saying what I'm about to say. <laughs> but in periods of times like this where there's significant volatility but not a huge amount of rationale for the volatility, there is a lot of money that you can make in trade. Trade but, the noise, right? Trade the emotions of, of everyone. Like emotions and madness is good for you. But when those things stabilise, they stabilise quickly. Yeah. And most of the time people who are trading don't have the capacity to fully understand what's happening when it's happening because it's not technical. It might be seasonal. Uh, and then, you know, whether you're a technical trader or a GAN trader or whether you're trading, you know, the Elliott Wave and all of these different things, but I've heard it and I've seen it all. I've seen all of them come crashing down, including some of the most advanced black boxes in the world. doesn't say don't do it, but just understand that when you're trading this stuff and uh, uh, on short term, the odds are you're going to be wrong soon. Well, and it brings into, into consideration, Andy, you know, when you and I chat, you know, often on this stuff, it's like trading, trading is not investing, right? Trading is not investing. Investing is owning something for a long time. Investing is buy and hold and keep it. Trading is actually a business. You're buying uh, a stock, a stock and trade, a piece of something to then sell later on for a profit. Buying and selling is a business activity. It's not an investment activity. And I always say this to my clients in the world of real estate, you know, property developing is not investing. It's not. Buying and flipping houses is not investing. It is a business and you have to master a business. And I would, I would put mm. forward, and probably what you're saying as well, is that you know, share trading is not investing. It is a business. It is using some capital to buy some things to then make a profit on, and that is called business, not investing. And so, you know, I always, I'm, I'm always fascinated it's by that. It's the you business know? of racing too, Jace, because you always hear about the big wins, but you never hear about the, the big losses, do you? It's, uh, <laughs> it's always race you win, never the race that you lost, and it's always, for me, mate, I want to see the scorecard. What's the end game? Is it, uh, is it 25 up or is it 25 down? Yeah, 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 yeah. The net result, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I might have had a good day today, but tomorrow might be a rubbish day, you know. Um, <laughs> but you know, and and that, and you know, that that may suit some people. And and like you said, uh, people make money out of it. it. You and I aren't saying it's not. There's not money to be made. But what we're saying is, uh, don't confuse it with investing. Uh, and and you have to put time and effort in to master that. And often what I see, what I sort of say to people is, do you want to replace your day income with, with something else, right? Let's say for, for share trading or let's say for property developing, that's a day income that you're going you're gonna to exchange, right? So if you're good at that yes. and you can make 100, 200, 300 grand a year, awesome, amazing. You're still not an investor. Look me in the eyes, understand, hear me when I say this. I don't care whether you're making money from going to a nine-to-five job, you're running a business, or you're selling shares day in, day out. You're still not an investor. You're creating an income. And we know, Andy, you know this more than anybody as a financial planner and as a, a wealth guy. I look at people's balance sheets and they make a lot of money, but they own nothing. they got nothing for the future. Um, so that's where you and I come in and go, well done. You're smashing it. You're making 300 grand a year in your share trading. 
So let's now actually own some investments that are the oh shit, the plan B or the buy and hold places to park your spare capital, your profits for efficiency because if you don't, yeah. the ATA will take a lot of it, you know. So, uh, or yeah. timing. Or timing takes it away. And, you know, there's a presentation you and I are going to be giving out there in the in, in the communities yeah. uh, in the not-too-distant future. Set but- and forget. You've got to have some set and forget places. And you know what? You know, and I, I said this. I said this seven, eight years ago. The simplest set and forget, uh, lowest risk place for money was in your offset account seven years ago. Your interest rate was eight percent. You put a dollar in there; it's a guaranteed saving of eight percent, and you didn't even get taxed on it. It was like a no-brainer. But right now, money in your offset account is actually devaluing. Um, it's not working, so it's not it's not the place. So Bob's got it set and forget. You know, I like real estate. You like shares. We both like real estate and shares. Let's let's face it. We just like good investments that are that are going to be easy to own, um, mate. Yeah, I I get fired eventually, up about that one. Eventually, if you don't take money out of the business, the business is going to go in one or two different directions. And you and I know this better than anybody, yeah. uh, or not better than anybody. Because a lot of people who know it better than us. But uh, but what we do know statistically, if you run a business for long enough. Uh, it's not the kind of odds you want to bank your future existence in wealth on. The, the odds are so minuscule. And if it's as a developer or as it's a trader and you're taking money off the, off the, out of the business and investing it, so now we know the difference, investing it, then eventually if you're playing the odds, mate, you're on a 0.01% chance really creating something amazing like, uh, or it's, Point zero 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 one percent of making your apples of the world, or but just having a very very good existence, you're you're still in the one percent two percent, and they're not the kind of percentages that I want to bank on uh, on my wealth. No, mate, and we can make it a little bit better. That's for sure. If you just, it's a it's a combination conversation, and it's not a one size fits all. And you know, I think the the uh, the financial planning industry grabbed a hold of a word called diversification and bastardized it. Right, they fucked it up. They, <laughs> they, they, they just they took it as their own, and then called you know kind of tried to make it a brand like Hoover and like fuck. It, I mean, it, <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know, and they used as it they used it as a fancy word to to uh, make an excuse that they don't know what they're fucking doing. So they just do twenty <laughs> fucking things and hopefully get it right. But anyway, excuse the French gang. But <laughs> but, but it, you're right. It was based off, and we can go into another time if anybody's interested. But diversification <laughs> is based off a efficient markets, but b off Markowitz's theories, which are now got a couple of hundred years old. Uh, and he was a statistician or a mathematician who uh, who applied statistical probability uh, to a data set. Now the data set over the last hundred years has changed. Hell, the data set over the last fifty years has changed. Now, you need to change the model a little bit and respond to how the data uh, co-correlates with each other, and that is where the industry has fallen well short. Yeah, well short. And the speed, you and I have chatted about the speed um, in that space, you know, of, of information. But, hey, listen, what's in the news in my neck of the woods? Uh, something, you know, I, I, I said this was coming. Uh, you and I were chatting about it the other day when it comes to, you know, 
Uh, you wait. They'll, they'll be talking about a bubble. They'll be talking about, you know, something's going on and the Reserve Bank's already sort of beating the drum. No shit, Dick Tracy. We've got the house price boom gone. And, you know, uh, you know, Phil, Philip, part of it was your fault, mate. Like, you, you and your idiot mates when it came to the APRA investigation and, um, you know, all of those uh, <laughs> all of those people who, you know, went out there and said, all right, well, let's, let's napalm lending um, have absolutely crushed the supply chain in Australia, the, the real estate supply chain. Um, COVID had, has nothing, had nothing to do with the problems we've got now. They've just exacerbated the problems we already had. COVID has done that. But that, you know what? Actually, thankfully, Andy, COVID uh, in one way has slowed down um, immigration because we were on the same track. If immigration had stayed on track, we would be in absolutely all sorts right now, all sorts, even worse um, than we are right now across the country when it comes to real estate. So, you know, uh, warns on house price, boom. Yeah, well, Philip, mate, you know, you and your mates caused it. Um, but here's the drill. Here's something that I want. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I just said allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <caused laughs> allegedly. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is not, there's no facts being checked on, on Jason's opinions. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, this, this, this is the interesting thing, uh, Andy, what they're saying. Is there's a bit of scare tactics going on right now. And so, right, okay, yeah, RBA come out, blah, 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 whatever. They're not going to adjust interest rates. So interest rates aren't going to go up in the future. Everybody said nah, hands off interest rates, all right, because we want growth in the, in the economy. Um, but the one that we need to watch is this one, Andy. Here's my little, here's my little thing, you know. There are other tools to keep house prices in check, all right, um, and what are those other tools, right? So uh, two tools that um, our, cat, our compadres, our Anzac neighbours have been exposed to across the ditch. Number one, uh, the restricting of loan-to-value ratios, the ability for people to only to borrow 60% or 80% in lending, okay? That's certainly a possibility. Um, now, now, I, and now hear me, if you guys are listening in, you listen to this right now. I'm giving you fair warning. Uh, episode 40 of the of the Wealth, Wine and Wisdom show. Go and watch my video on YouTube called Equity Lock, right? If Mr. Lowy, Low or Lowy or whatever his name is, is throwing some, you know, some, uh, some uh, grenades across the bow, Everyone needs to go and lock in their equity right now. Lock it in, gang. Lock it in, all right, which means in favourable terms, if you want access to money and equity with your properties in the next 6 to 12 months when we have capital growth, do not sit on your laurels and leave the equity with the banks. Warning, you've been warned, lock it in. Even if you don't use it, lock it in. They can't take it off you later on. But if you ask for it in two years' time and they've reduced the loan-to-value ratio to 60%, boom, you're gone, okay? There you go. The other one. Well, and, and it goes to what we've been saying all along, not in response to this, but we always say achieve finance. Often, at least annually, go in there and check it, lock it in, make sure that you've got it because if you've got it, less chance that you can lose it as long as you can keep your hands off it. Mate, exactly that. And that's why you have someone like you and me, Andy, to give you a hand just to check your rationale so you don't diddle the till. You don't mess with your own <laughs> mojo. 
when it comes to that sort of stuff. You have the right account set up, and I know you and you and your team are very uh, conscious about how you help uh, people set up their bank accounts for paying their homes off and and um, and and uh, making sure that they've got the the right budget set in place, which is all, always awesome. One one thing that you'll hear probably bandied around, but I think is a bunch of bull, uh, is I uh, will adjust negative gearing. They talked about it last time. I don't think they'll touch it at all. But um, I think the bigger thing, I think the thing that they will, if they need to adjust, will be the loan to value ratios in lending lending world. I think that's so. That's my little uh, what's in the news. Keep an eye on uh, what might be out there, uh, ladies and gents, because that stuff, um, that stuff is important to understand. Now. This is an interesting one, Andy, because um, you brought. Let let me throw a couple of hand grenades over at you, because, uh, or more over at uh, over at our legislative friends, because (laughs) you talk about uh, efficient markets and diversification. Get stop manipulating markets. Stop trying to control them. You know you do a shit house job at it. Every time you (laughs) react, you overreact. You react too late. You react too aggressively. And you're constantly trying to fix up your own mistakes. Here's here's a way that you could potentially rationalise and and make markets a hell of a lot more efficient. Piss off stamp duty, make transactions on houses a hell of a lot faster to do because then housing prices will very very quickly revert to whatever the market needs them to be. Now that will mean housing prices will be more volatile because people can get in and out a lot faster. But what it will mean is that they'll find their true value more frequently than not. So therefore, these supposed bubbles would be ironed out. So, But that, that they're not into that. They have to have their hands all over it. They, they want markets to behave how they want them to behave at their points in time. No, dead right. The property market is, is a simple gig, mate. If there's, like, I mean, right now, I'll quickly go back to, to sharing my screen here. And uh, check out this one, Andy, right? Um, you know, security called us 40 buyers camp out for four days, four days to get land in in New South Wales. Now, you know, uh, we knew this was coming. Like Sam and I were, have been talking about this for a whole year. I mean, and you, you've heard me r- rabbit on about it endlessly. Um, like, Like why is it that, you know, I can see it and Sam can see it and other clever people can see it, but, you know, Philip Lowy doesn't see it. Like the reality is because they're not connected to the real world. They they live in they live in a bubble that really, like you said, Andy, doesn't correlate. Like that like they they stuff it up. And, you know, at the end of the day, the reason we have a a shortage of real estate right now is because they polaxed, absolutely polaxed lending for investors. Investors are vital to our our supply system in Australia. Absolutely vital, um, and uh, unless they understand what that means, they're just going to stuff it up, like you said, man. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to change anytime soon, Andy. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we had a we had a question here, which is a good one. You know, what if we don't have equity in our properties currently? Uh, whoever asked that, somehow you came through as Facebook users. So, wherever you're from, thank you, and whoever you are, thank you for the question. Um, what I would say to you right now, if you have a reasonably quality property uh, located uh, in a reasonably quality spot in Australia, the next six to 12 months, you are going to have equity in your property. 
um, I would, I would, I would, <laughs> I'd bet, I'd bet a, a fair bit of dough on that. Um, maybe if you want to, just share where your property is in the chat. I can give you some quick heads up on it, but you will get equity. What will happen in the short term, I believe, Andy and anyone listening in, the ability for you to borrow uh, at a higher rate, loan to value ratio, maybe 85 or 90% is appropriate. Uh, and maybe you'll get some capital growth. If that happens, I'm telling you right now, gang, lock in the equity because it's very difficult to get money when you need it and they've changed the rules. Um, you know, so um, Point Cook Vic, absolute no-brainer. You will kill it. Sit on that property. You give it six months or 12 months, you are going to kill it. I'm assuming it's a house down in Point Vic. Um, and if it is... You know, if you haven't paid too much already, uh, you'll be absolutely perfectly fine. So, mate, uh, yeah, townhouse, townhouse is good. Townhouse is good down there. Mate, there's nothing wrong with that. Townhouses are bloody rare as hen's teeth in Melbourne, actually. Um, so they're they're a sought after piece of real estate, and Point Cook's a good location. So, uh, I would say you give it you give it six to twelve months, and you'll be looking at fifty to a hundred grand of equity down there. Um, no brainer, no brainer. So lock it in. So, um, mate, uh, that's it. So, Andy, um, what do you think? Over to you. Um, stuff you stuff you should know. Thanks, gang. Uh, what's in the news? Done and dusted. So we won't um, we won't take too long to go through the news. They were the, just the major ones for Andy, and I thought would be worth sharing and debriefing you guys on. But uh, what do you think? Stuff stuff should stuff people should know. Well, mate, uh, it just goes down to, uh, to to the quote I've got up here, which is, uh, mate, there's a difference between a trader and investor. Your job is to decide which one you are. And <laughs> as we've articulated today, it's... Uh, is that quote, unquote, an Andy Fenton quote? Is that a... That a- mate, that's uh, quote, unquote. That's uh, <laughs> from yours truly. And the old quote bubbles. We'll store that as a quote card. Maybe have a meme or something of me going forward in the future. Mate, I like it. I'm uh, maybe share throughout the world next to a Buffett quote somewhere. Maybe it'll turn up on Buffett quotes on Instagram. Who knows? But um, <laughs> there's a difference between the two and totally we've, we've articulated yep. it today. And realistically, if you want to be the trader and that's the in the property world, that's the developer. You know, in the equities world, that's where you're, you're trading investments. Um, firstly, it's a game where you've got to know your stuff because I know about my market and what Jason can tell you about his market is that uh, or, and what we can tell you about business in general is that it's a gloves-off sport. It's full contact. And, mate, nobody picks you up and dusts you off when you get your ass handed to you from an event that you never saw coming, which wasn't your fault, and it defied all logic, rationale, uh, and anything. You never saw it coming. It could never happen. And let me give you an example. Right? <laughs> Markets were overheating, right, in, in my world. They were starting to overheat or starting to become overpriced coming into COVID. Who would have thought that it was a pandemic that was going to create this one? And we laughed about it just in a personal conversation, Jace, yeah. a few years ago where we said, well, the GFC Mark II, what's it going to be? And so we went, well, it could be wars, you know, it could be a, you know, a global flu or a pandemic. And we laughed about it at that point in time because we never saw it coming, right? And, and here's the thing is history doesn't repeat itself, but it's an incredible mimic. Right, the same events, markets will rationalise some way or form. Sometimes they will be irrational for an extraordinarily long period of time. Yeah, but the new rational sometimes isn't what you think. So if you're going to be an investor, 
Uh, sorry, if you're going to be a trader, then you've got to get your head around this stuff and you've got to, got to, got to, got to, at some point in time, be an investor, right? Because otherwise, what I can tell you statistically is the odds are well against you. And if you just know that, that'll save you against making some really bad mistakes because I've seen it happen all of a sudden. I've seen it with hedge fund managers too, just by the by. Um, we're a billion up, Andy. Where are you now? Well, we don't exist anymore. Yeah, uh, and uh, mate, that's the difference between trader and investor. Uh, ultimately, yeah. is that uh, a trader be potentially lucky, but if you're in it for twenty years, there's a chance, and the odds you won't make it. I uh, completely agree on that one. That uh, that correlates in my neck of the woods on uh, stuff you should know. Well, you know, for me, you know, right now. Uh, it's an interesting thing. I was just uh, tracking down the pain and gain results, uh, and I think I shared this uh, this week with my crew on a, a coffee chat, but I'll, I'll reshare it. Um, but um, if you have a look at this, over a um, over a period of time, we talk about property investing as a slow gig. It's a slow. It's a slow piece of investment. Um, you know, in, investment to put your money in. Uh, and the cost to get in, and and if you do it poorly with no education, no support, no understanding of how to invest, well, here's the results. Um, you know, the idea that the average home uh, resold uh, at a time frame of six point one years. Have a look at this. Six point one years um, was sold. For a loss, um, um, over that period of time. Now that, that's just mind blowing. You think, hang on, you know, um, what was the average loss? What was the average gain? And what was the average time frame? And you say, all right, well, let's I'll rub that out and make sure it doesn't sort of, you know. So, the average property sold after six point one years lost ninety four thousand dollars, and. Um, you're like, what? How, how does that work? Well, how it works is people buy things without any strategy. They pay more than they should. Um, they struggle to understand how to rent it, how to maintain it. Um, you know, how it fitted their strategy, and then they get sick of it, and then they walk away and make a loss. And um, you know, uh, you know, uh, units. Uh, 6.5 years on average, $67,000. Um, so really at the end of the day, Andy, the stats show you just got to own it for seven years or more. Well, I'll call it eight years or more because look at this. Um, 7.6 years or nine, nine years for a house. You know, if you own an average house for nine years, the average profit was made was $363,000. And the average profit owning a unit for 7.6 years wow. was $229,000. Now, you know, now this, this stuff's not made up. This is not Jason's opinion or Andy's opinion. This is the real deal. This is, this is data from the marketplace when it comes to property investing, things you should know. We have talked about this endlessly. As an investor, well, I have certainly, and Andy, you reflect this often too, you know, it is a 15-year financial plan. You know, you and I were lamenting a moment ago. Uh, we had a client. I, I've got a client. I'm going to send him over to you. He was talking about talking to a financial planner 
about putting a financial plan together. And he's and he was like, what I want to know is with my investments, you know, how do I line myself up to then turn it into a passive income? And he said he's talked to two financial planners and they said, oh, I can't help you with that. <laughs> what do you mean? Doesn't a financial planner help you with a financial plan? Uh, well, unfortunately, other than my esteemed colleague uh, in attendance in Wealth, Wine and Wisdom today, Andy Fenton, and a handful of very good financial planners, um, it's rare that financial planners actually help people with financial plans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's rare that someone who wants to sell you a piece of real estate actually helps you with a property investment plan. Just so we know, just so we're on the same page. Um, so real estate agents have no idea how to help you create wealth in real estate, um, it, it, which is really bizarre, right? Most real estate agents don't own their own home. They're, they're actually quite quite uh, financially ill-equipped, unfortunately. But anyway, there you go. So the thing well, is... That's, the- that, that's, that's interesting there, mate, is that because just an insight into what I'm seeing a number of my clients at the moment is that... Uh, we're seeing so this is almost a, a once in a fifteen year type of opportunity because there's been some clients and they won't mind me saying, but I won't use their name, who have, have purchased really poorly, purchased some pretty dog properties, yeah. uh, you know, over the years, not great locations, <laughs> not great assets, uh, and there you know, six months ago we were looking at it, we we're going, okay, well, how do we get you into a period of time where you can get some leverage so that you can maybe work your way out of these positions and all of a sudden we're now looking back at the properties we're going holy smoke like all of these are actually above water now so what do we do should we are we going to liquidate a few of them and buy better uh and buy more quality which tends to be yes. the overall yeah. decision and that yes and yes and yes <laughs> you guys right because i mean it's not my gig but certainly i start looking at it and i'm like well it wasn't too long ago these properties who are in the, the arse end of Idaho uh, you know, were, were worth very, very little. Markets have changed quite rapidly and I reckon not for long with the dogs, right? I, that's just my opinion. I think that there's a bit of buoyancy around that spilling over the into areas where potentially uh, they will course correct. Uh, but a re- really rare opportunity in order to be Rose. able to consolidate some portfolios, which uh, has been incredible. Yeah, 100% agree, mate. Like rose-coloured glasses in, in some of those areas. You mentioned it before, the idea of value stocks, right, um, being undervalued. Um, and yes. the same with real estate right now. You know, there's this kind of – it's a temporary thing. It'll be maybe 12 months, two years, where it's like, oh, you know um, – some of these regional locations because people have overreacted to the pandemic, you know, are going to receive some undue financial attention, which when that undue financial attention leaves, there is no fundamental economy, economic um, strength to that attention. Property prices go up $100,000. When that money leaves, and it will, people who live in a city will not... (laughs) They won't won't live long term in a country town in a regional location. I'm telling you right now. Um, so when it leaves and and it has left, and we've got examples of this, guys. We've got examples in places like Murrumbah and Gladstone and Mackay and um, Port Hedland. We've got examples. Those property prices when the locals had to purchase them and the people who moved there left because. Um, 
you know, their jobs weren't great or they wanted to go back, the property prices have dramatically dropped. In some cases, 50%. 50%. I'll repeat that, 50% property prices and they have not recovered for over 10 years. Now, I don't think it'll be that bad because the the mining boom overinflated it, but we can use a lesson. What What's the thing you say, Andy? Um, History is a great mimic, right? You say that often. Um, you need to Absolutely. put another quote quote card on that one, mate. That one's a good one. Um, <laughs> you know, I believe it will mimic that again, gang, I think. yeah. And uh, if you are in a regional town and you want to get out, now's a good time. Basically, Andy's hit the nail on the head. Uh, right now is a great time to exit a shit position <laughs> when it comes to real estate. And get yourself set for a better one, gang. Uh, completely, 100% agree on that one, Andy, for, for sure, mate. Um, that's uh, that's a good observation when it comes to that sort of stuff. So, yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, listen, why don't we do this? Any questions? And uh, we've got a question here. Uh, we've got a question from Bob. Now, I'm thinking Bob's got a question. Real estate investment trusts. Any good? Now, Andy, I know you're passionate about this and uh, I'm actually getting more warmed up to the Real Estate Investment Trust than um, than I've ever been because I can see some really amazing places and spaces where you can take advantage of that. So why don't you kick that off? Real Estate Trusts, any good? I know you're quite passionate about it, so maybe talk to Bob's question. Mate, uh, well, Bob, thanks for the question, mate. I think it's a great question. I, I'm going to talk to it more from a commercial property perspective because that's more in my my game, more in my gig than uh, the resi stuff. But, mate, uh, syndications, uh, as, as we call them, uh, can be extraordinarily lucrative because you can pick on long-term uh, themes, long-term growth themes in uh, in assets that otherwise you would never be able to get experience in. So let's, I'll give you an example. I won't mention the name of the funds that we use, but one of the things that we've been looking at for quite some time coming into the pandemic also was, uh, was logistical property, so commercial property that was specific for logistics, so robotic factories and things of that nature. Yeah. But you can't buy into one of those factories for 500,000, right? You're talking multiple of millions and sometimes in the tens of millions and above. Yeah, you but can't afford it as an individual, right? Yeah. Correct, right? But when we talk about the way that markets are developing at the moment and the way that logistics is evolving with Amazon, with HelloFresh, the way that people are eating, the way people are consuming, that's not going to stop. Like that, that is a given. I bet my house on it. It's got right? some momentum that and it's going to just keep rolling, yeah? Yeah. It's going to keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling and kind of has to, right? Because as cities become more dense... They need just pockets in certain areas right, that make sense to be able to logistically get stuff to you um, efficiently, right? And so, but you can't enter those types of markets if you've got less than, you know, 100 mil, sometimes a lot more. But you can get exposure through uh, these things called uh, property syndications and, uh, and investment trusts. The caveat is you absolutely need to know your shit when you go into it because more often than not, these are very illiquid, which means that if you want your money back, 
you're going to be looking at 10 year, 11 year terms, or sometimes you get liquidity event in a couple of years or five years. Yeah. You want to have great tenants, great knowledge in the area. You want to have, uh, you want to have great, uh, uh, lease terms, all of these low levels of gearing. There's a whole lot of things that make it up, but you can access superior uh, income streams and potential uh, you know, significant long-term growth by accessing these trusts where you otherwise wouldn't be able to play the game. Well, Andy, maybe um, maybe I can just sort of maybe do that So, um, and to sort of you know dive in on Bob's question because I think it's a great one. You and I have talked about it um, many times and uh, uh, we're just going to say, I'm just going to say because Andy can't say it because he's a financial planner, but I'm going to say it because I'm a real estate agent. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, technically I'm not a real estate agent, Sam is. Uh, but watch this space, gang, because we're going to bring you something super cool. <laughs> but reality is um, it's an interesting one, which is let's have a look at this. Um, Andy, did you see that? <laughs> did you see where you got frozen then? That was funny. Um, so, so, Bob. Fantastic question. And when we have a look at, you know, potential rental yield from a from a real estate asset, we you know, we're saying, all right, well, maybe four to five percent when it comes to residential real estate, resi, right? But you know, and that's not fabulous at the start. However, the loan to value ratio leverage you can get up as an investor to ninety percent. So your money can go further. Right, um, and then commercial. Let's say commercial, industrial, you know, and maybe even retail, you know. But we let's let's not even talk retail because I think retail's got a big issue. Um, commercial, industrial, which comes to, you know, um, those uh, opportunities. You can get anywhere between seven to sometimes even ten percent, Andy. Like in some of these spaces, from an income point of view gang but you know your issue is in this you know your loan to value ratio if you're trying to buy it by yourself maybe 60 to 70 percent but your pricing you know might be you know two to 20 million over here you're sort of saying all right well i can buy a decent thing for 400 to 600k so access to something you know as an individual as an individual you do it here in a group you can do it over there, and that's where the right, the right um, commercial property trust is a is we think an absolute winner, um, and um, you know uh, a winner when it comes to potential place to to create extra cash flow. And, and Andy of I have got something coming, gang, when it comes to this. We can use potentially some of this stuff to have a, an acceleration strategy for reducing debt and so on. So watch this space. It's exciting. I'm glad you sort of nailed onto that one, Bob, um, as you sort of landed there. But, Andy, um, I think we might sort of bring it into a landing uh, right now because we've got sort of about three minutes till 5 o'clock and I do have an appointment today with one of my mentoring clients um, pretty well on being on 5 o'clock at my time, 6 o'clock your time. But, um any last comments um, on today's conversation, mate? Well, mate, uh, if you guys have got it, whack it in the in the in the in the chat box, in the question box, in the the subject fields. I've forgotten what they're called all of a sudden, but uh, <laughs> but I probably just to, to mirror what you've said, but also to say for those of you who've seen this before, 
because we did see property syndications uh, be extraordinarily popular pre-GFC. Yeah. And pre-GFC, as, and we're talking about mimics, right, and we're talking about history repeating itself. So there'll be a lot of people who will sit there and go, well, property uh, syndications don't work, they all blow up, you know, and they're all... But there were things that we learned from that period of time is that you need to manage your leverage really carefully. Yes. And I guess it's a bit of a story. Uh, the old man and, and I have seen some investments that, and, and it was his, well, what he did ostensibly with his clients is in the middle of the GFC, loaded them up uh, in a property syndication. And everyone's going, what? You can't do that. That's insane. These things going and blowing up the front and centre. Are you crazy? Uh, it was it was one of those things, but here's the thing: is that it followed what I consider to be more of the new world principles. In that it managed, it had very very low giving ratio. That meant the value of the asset could fall substantially and wouldn't trigger the bank to recall the funds. Had incredible rental yields, all of that sort of stuff. The tenant was uh, was was uh, a semi state government organisation. So really, I guess the wrap up is. Yes, in the past they had been, you know, uh, they had all blown up. Uh, yes, there were some fundamental things wrong with them. But let's let's just face it, right? We're like, as you and I know, markets do have cycles. Things go up, things go down. The same sorts of things come back and repeat themselves, but they're just wearing slightly different clothes. And uh, and so every now and again, somebody goes, "Oh, that's a bloody property trust. That's got to be a bad shit because they all blew up in the GFC." Well, it's like, well. Is it a property trust that's wearing the suit of the, the banker that, that built the property trust back in the GC or is it wearing the suit of today which looks at it through a very, very different perspective? And yeah. uh, I think if any way to wrap up from my side, that, that's probably it, is that uh, look for the new trends in the new way. Anybody who, who takes too much notice, builds it on the past principles, uh, may well fail, but, uh, but look at it through a different lens and you may be very, very surprised. Mate, no, good, uh, good, uh, good wisdom, mate. Glad you finished on some wisdom, um, uh, <laughs> which is always good. Got a question here. Um, uh, Nima sort of said, "How can I get in contact with Andy?" Uh, Nima, <laughs> don't know if you don't know if you want to get in contact with him after he looks like that, but uh, I'm glad uh, you're reaching out. If you do want to connect with Andy, you can track him down on Fenton Financial, um, uh, which is his Facebook page. Or um, you can track him down um, at Andy Fenton uh, on Facebook. And um, Fenton Financial is the team that Andy runs. Do a, a, a direct message to Andy and uh, he and the team will connect with you guys um, to talk all things in that space. So, gang, uh, it's been fantastic, Andy. Um, mate, uh, great to have you on today. Uh, we've got to fix this video issue, my friend, um, because yep, we will. while I'm entertained with your pausing and weird-looking, um, I think many other people would be entertained too. <laughs> um, it, is, it is much nicer to have you in flow and in person, mate. So uh, as awesome, mate, you are full of wisdom and um, from that wisdom, plenty of people can create wealth. And, mate, I enjoyed having a wine with you. So uh, ticks in all boxes today and I hope everyone had a good uh, a good uh, bit of information that they absorbed today as well. So, as always, give us a shout-out in the comments, uh, all the chat. 
if you want to ask us any other questions or you want us to cover anything, maybe next week. Um, but uh, we think we're on a bit of a, a roll with what's in the news, things you should know, and any questions um, as our segment process. But um, anyway, that's it, Andy. I think we're done and dusted. Fantastic, mate. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us, folks, and uh, join us again next week. Same time-ish, Wednesday, Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. <laughs> so, so I like the same time-ish, same time-ish. Well, it'll, yeah, we will get more punctual, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's right. Same bat time, kind of same bat channel. Uh, great. All right, well, thanks, gang. Uh, thanks, Emma. Thanks, Margaret. Thanks, Alison. Thanks, the rest of you. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, crew. Later, Andy. Take care. Bye, gang. Bye, everyone.